Look at my butt. Show number 303 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. Okay, you ready to start this? Ready to start this mess? Let's light this candle. <laughs> well, listeners, here we are, lighting a candle or something. Oh. <laughs> We're here. We're doing another show. Boy, life sure sucks sometimes. There's just a lot of stuff that got in the way between then and now, but we're here. We're here. And I was just thinking, how can there be so much going on and it's all boring? <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Well, it's, it's, I think we've said this before, it's by turns extremely boring. And then at the other end of the spectrum, it's extremely terrifying. Like, yes, you know, democracy crashing down around you and, uh, you know, climate change and just uh, all sorts of things that are too unpleasant to think about. So, so let's not think about them right now. Okay, let's not. Let's, yeah, let's set all those aside. We are not 24-hour news, so we don't have to uh, go to our correspondent in uh, Kabul or wherever. No, no. We're, we're going to be focusing on news in the Star Trek universe, which is uh, pretty good. There's a lot of news. Lots of stuff. Yes. Yeah, so let's lead off with the most important thing, probably, which is that um, our good friend William Shatner has a new book out. That's right. We've been talking about this for a while. He's been shilling it, and uh, it was published on, I think, the 4th or something. He did a small virtual book tour that neither of us, unfortunately, were able to uh, attend. It was all via Zoom. I got to say, they did that real quick. Like, I think last Monday, it was like, hey, it's tonight. And I was like, well, uh, sorry, I can't rearrange my schedule that quickly. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I wish they'd been able to give a little more notice. I, I understand our, our good friend uh, Ruby Pearl was able to attend a few things. Right. And I dropped her a note. I haven't heard back. So we might have okay. to update, have an update from her at some okay. point. So. Well, if she can report back to us and with a little report on what happened, that would be awesome. But yeah, it was basically like virtual um, book tour where people asked him questions and he shilled for the book. That all sounds good. The thing that um, kind of really impressed me was through all my social media, so on Twitter and on Tumblr and on Facebook, all the places, everybody was talking about this excerpt from mm -hmm. the book where Bill talked about his experience going to almost space. And I thought that was great that it was picked up on by people in in all places like the places that i saw it coming from wasn't just star trek fans it was journalists it was right. politicians it was climate change people it was all kinds of people who really felt like what he had to say resonated with them and mm -hmm. um, i will link to the article on uh, variety because you can read it but you can also listen to it uh, so you can hear somebody reading this if you really want to I was hoping he would be on Anderson Cooper again, but not so far. Well, maybe he will. I mean, when he's got something yeah. to promote, he's going to be everywhere, right? Just absolutely promoting yeah. the hell out of it. So this um, this is, I think, a really well-written, who knows how much of it he actually wrote, because obviously he has mm -hmm. a co-author for this. But it captures a lot of what he had been saying uh, post-voyage about how disturbing he found it and there's some funny stuff in there um mm -hmm. i wanted to kind of get to the part where he he talked about his emotional reaction so he said um let's see everything i had thought was wrong everything i had expected to see was wrong I had thought that going into space would be the ultimate catharsis of that connection I had been looking for between all living things. That being up, the, up there would be the next beautiful step to understanding the harmony of the universe. In the film Contact, when Jodie Foster's character goes to space and looks out into the heavens, she lets out an astonished whisper. They should have sent a poet. I had a different experience because I discovered that the beauty isn't out there, it's down here with all of us. Leaving that behind made my connection to our tiny planet even more profound. It was among the strongest feelings of grief I had ever encountered. The contrast between the vicious coldness of space and the warm nurturing of Earth below filled me with overwhelming sadness. My trip to space was supposed to be a celebration, instead it felt like a funeral. And I thought that was some great writing. 
I thought so too when I read it. I mean, that paragraph jumped out at me. You know, I actually had to read it a couple of times to yeah. to to get the full impact. Um, yeah. I was thinking, I would think looking out into space, you know, when you're beyond the the Earth's atmosphere, so there's none of that interference. I really thought there would be stars, and he hasn't mentioned any stars. Yeah, I, so I you saw know? someone's. Yeah, I saw someone saying that they thought if they'd been a little further away from the Earth, they would have been able to see the stars. But oh, okay. there was just too much. Um, what's the word? Reflected light off of the right. Earth's atmosphere, so you you couldn't see them. But even so, I I still think. The same thing would apply. And a little bit later in this article, um, this excerpt, he says that other astronauts who have been out into actual space instead of almost space felt the same thing. So it, it isn't just that you can't see the stars, but it's a common emotional reaction to being separated from the Earth and, and looking down on it. Um, I mean, I, I've thought about it a lot. I think we've talked about this before, but I would never do that. Just to be oh, that, that far be away, it'd be terrifying. I would be so stressed out and anxious and feeling like I had just been, you know, like the tether was cut. This is it. Mm-hmm. You're, you're apart from Earth now and you're never going back. Even though, I, like, logically, I would be like, of course, we're going to go back. Uh, it would be too much. I could not handle that. I really admire yeah. people who can who can do this and not freak out when it's happening. Well, you know, people... Uh who have gone into space or any of those sort of adventures, you know, um, they train like mad for it. Mm -hmm. So to a certain extent, you're ready. I mean, hopefully you've gotten beyond that most basic gut terror stage that all that practice and learning and doing things over and over and over. So muscle memory can kick in. Mm -hmm. Um, Does that, but I, I think if you were any sort of sensitive individual, you would still be knocked back by what you see, yeah. by that feeling. You know, it makes me wonder, moving into the future, when people do start going off-world, is everybody just going to get over it? Because I don't think I've ever seen that expressed, right, mm-hmm. in in Star Trek or, or anything. People are very casual about traveling in space. You know, it's like transport somewhere jump on a shuttlecraft get on a spacecraft you know and you never get that that sense of you know wow this is a big deal even you know in the movies when we've seen people who are you know they're leaving from starfleet academy and they're getting on their shuttles to go nobody's ever freaking out or or saying oh my god we're leaving the planet what's happening and you you'd think that some people would still have that they'd get over it but some people would still have it i would like to see Mm -hmm. that dealt with a little bit more that would be very interesting yeah and somebody has to slap them (laughs) so you know what what if you're born in space do you not have that or do you have that attached to the place where you were born and and brought up like the moon or a space station or something Mm -hmm. like that don't you think there would be something like just some mammalian instinct to be mentally or you know sort of emotionally tied to the place where you were brought up I, I think there would be yes I do think that um but going from the sublime to the ridiculous now that you're talking about <laughs> you're going to relocate to Mars or whatever mm-hmm. to some space station and so you're leaving earth this afternoon I turned on the tv and one of I can't say my favorite movies, but it's just a movie that has always stayed with me, mm-hmm. was on, and it's called Westward the Women. <laughs> I've never seen that movie. Ever who's seen in it? it? No, no. Who's in it? Robert Taylor is the name. Oh, good. And it's about a wagon train of women going west, and um, the, the, the men are along as, like, hands, uh-huh. But the the men are not, are not settlers. They're they're you know they're guides and carpenters and stuff like that. And of course, they encounter every bad thing you can encounter <laughs> on your way going west. Uh-huh. But honest to God, I feel like those stories, the real stories, do not need embellishment. Mm-hmm. But again, when you think about it, leaving behind everyone and everything. 
you've ever known to go out there with minimal preparation. Mm. In the movie, at least, they're learning on the way how to shoot guns and how to manage horses and everything. It's like, my God, what? In this case, they all thought they were going to get husbands, which they do. But in the case of just the people who went out there because they wanted to go, they wanted to settle out there, what did they think they were going to? Mm-hmm. What were they leaving? What were they running from? And it, it, it's the equivalent of, of going in outer space, you know, for yeah. the 19th century is, you know, get out west. Definitely. And all the obstacles, it's like, okay, we made it through. We made it over the rocks. And at one point, they're <laughs> pulling the wagons over these rocks. And I went, wouldn't it be easier to move the rocks? <laughs> But, you know, okay, we made it over the rocks. The next day they get up and it's time to get across the salt flats. And it's like, (laughs) you know, it's like that thing in Galaxy Quest. And at the very end, there's Uh the ball of flame. And just even though it's, you know, not an important movie or anything, it made me think about what it takes to do things like that. Yeah. Maybe there's something in that about why humans as a species are special you know you watch doctor Mm -hmm. who and other things and and the doctor's always talking about how incredible people humans are and maybe that's a little part of it right we're Uh basically just you know upright mammals walking around who are terrified of everything and yet we overcome that to do things that are incredible and go to places that are probably going to kill us but we do it anyway that's right that's absolutely right yeah, but I'm not one of those people, so I'll just say oh, that. Oh, right I, d- I definitely am not. I get my, my buzz <laughs> from books and stories, like about the people who climb Everest and, you yeah. know, things like that, and, you know, Shackleton and the mm-hmm. Antarctic. Um, those are amazing stories, and you read it, you go, this can't be true, and it's true. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, we, we are driven by a... a a curiosity, a need to know, a need to test ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of that is reflected in Star Trek. And that's that's mm-hmm. part of why Star Trek is so great, because it does address the part of us that wants to do things and go places and you mm-hmm. know, maybe make stuff better. Star Trek's good. Yeah. I love it. It's really good. I think it's great. I think it it. it it is so pervasive to our society now. It's hard to imagine what the world would be without it. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, just even the, the technology that, yeah, they were, you know, wooden wooden panels with, you know, Christmas tree lights and stuff. But they inspired people to invent things that looked like that but weren't. Yeah. They were the real thing. The real thing, yeah. So on a side note, we have both now acquired Bill's book. And yes, we will yes. be reading it and reporting back on it. I think it'll be good if we both read it separately and then come back to discuss it without having discussed mm-hmm. it previously um, and, and see what our reactions are. Given that excerpt that we were just discussing, I'm pretty hopeful that it's going to be yeah. really good. Um, yeah. I was saying to you the other day that I thought I, I really wish that he would write more in the way he did in the, the Spirit of the Horses book, where he's talking about mm-hmm. things that are personal to him and... Um, not just telling stories about whatever movie he was in or something like that. Right. I don't care about that stuff. Don't want to hear about it. The stuff about the horses was great. And if the book is like this, I think it'll be very, very good. I always think about um, one of the answers he gave at a con saying, um, you know, somebody asked, like, what is your actual contribution to this? <laughs> uh-huh. And he laughed and said, um, I go over to Garth and Judy's house and watch them type. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think that's exactly right. And uh, he probably enjoys that very much. And whenever I talk about the books that he's written, I always put the word written in quotes. Uh huh, yes. Well, you can call it Bill's book. And... Bill's book, yeah, yeah, yeah. He created it. Whether mm-hmm. he wrote it is a totally other question. But yeah, he had a hand in the creation. Right. I mean, it's still Gene Roddenberry's Star Trek, even though it's been a long time since Gene wrote an episode this or, is right. this is or right. anything. So, same thing. So, in other Star Trek news, um, there was a uh, 
Comic-Con this past weekend, lots of Star Trek news happened, which we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, But first, I really wanted to talk about Lower Decks because the season has been going on. I've been enjoying it. I think that the stories are a little less frantic than they were the Mm -hmm. year before. And I I like the different characterizations. We've been finding out some backstory stuff. Um, We found out more about... um, what's going on with the captain and some other stuff in Starfleet. And we met some other aliens. There were callbacks to, to previous episodes. We found out about Rutherford and how he got his cybernetic implants. And that was good. And also mysterious. Like they're leaving that open for more stuff. Yes. Yes. Um, but the, the standout episode for me was the one that was just on this past week, which featured um, the little uh, peanut hamper drone. It yes. was a complete peanut hamper episode. It was so weird. It was like a movie that was a Lower Decks episode. And it did not it at all end. It was a spinoff. It was it the was. for peanut hampers. <laughs> it was. It totally was. And it did not at all end the way I thought it was going to end. They pulled the rug out yeah. right at the last minute, which was incredible. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you. Okay. So I watched it last night. Uh-huh. And... They were going on a previous episode, and they showed all this stuff. And I'm going, uh-huh. I don't remember that episode. Uh-huh. Was there an episode? I, I, th- I would think I would remember a name like Peanut Hamper. It was last year. It was a whole well, year I don't, ago. I, that I, I swear yeah. to God, I do not remember. Nothing mm-hmm. rang a bell. So I'm watching it going, okay, I cannot possibly be like on the wrong station or something. <laughs> this is Lower Decks, although we've seen no Lower Decks people. Yep, yep. I was one of the people totally confused by it, which I think probably was the goal of at least yes. someone working on it. So <laughs> it was crazy. I liked the the bird people. They were They were awesome. There, it, was, it was so weird. And yes, you're watching it and it's like, Am I watching a different show now? What what, what mm-hmm. show is this? What is happening? And I, <laughs> okay, it's Lower Decks. It's on cable. But the fact that they got away with almost showing an alien species having sex with a robot was pretty amazing to me. It was. It was. <laughs> it was insane. And um, spoilers, it's, it's the adventures of Peanut Hamper, which was... Um, a little drone that had been on the ship and in that flashback they showed that I'll I'll say she since she has a female voice um, she absolutely refused to help the Cerritos crew when they needed a a mission done this at the end of the last season and just like buggered off just said no I'm not doing this goodbye (laughs) and then got trapped and then went to an alien planet and developed this whole relationship with the natives who live there and in the end um, had a chance to save the day and totally didn't and just reverted back to this awful horrible self-centered like screw you guys i'm out of here and left and just left just like that and that was the whole episode (laughs) wow i was a huge swing from them and i loved it i thought it was really 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 good that was totally bizarre and you know what it kind of reminded me of i've talked about this movie before i think people should should see it it's a horror movie called the cabin in the woods uh-huh and when it starts i saw it in the theater um it's these guys at a control panel talking you know about their jobs and stuff and i'm going wait cabin in the woods am i in the wrong theater <laughs> and i read that the director or the writer whoever said that's what we wanted people to, uh, to think uh-huh. was Am I in the right movie? And that scene is actually very essential to the movie. But yeah, it's, you know, like a double cross. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, I felt like this episode was sort of a triple cross by the time we got (laughs) to the end of it, where it just had this incredible ending. So it was great. And I I loved it. And I'm glad that they took a chance to do something like that. And uh, I'm, I'm sad that it's the series is, you know, what is it the middle of the series now i don't even know how many episodes are left but i just want it to go on forever i want there to be a new episode of lower decks every single week from now till eternity that's my wish Mm -hmm. well we talked maybe it was the last show um there was an article going it's about star trek was saying don't make more new star trek Mm -hmm. make more 
of the stuff you're doing. Yes. We need more episodes. Yes, absolutely. Positively. This is, you yes. know, eight, 10 episodes. That's not a season. And I agree. Well, it should be more. It's, and I know that it's expensive and it takes a lot. But, oh, just do it, man. You know, like, just mm-hmm. make more. That's what everybody wants. More episodes. More yeah, episodes and, and you you're got. guaranteed, you know, audience and therefore advertising. It's, you know, it's like the closest to an, an absolute sure thing you're, you're going to get. Whereas if you introduce a new one set in a different right. part of the galaxy or a different timeline or whatever, people might watch a couple episodes and go this doesn't feel very tricky yeah and then you have to do all the exposition and setting things mm-hmm. up it's like oh i'm tired of that just like give me the stuff that i know already right, <laughs> right. Yeah. that's what i, I want. want some comfort television i, I do oh um, but uh, in, in Star Trek that exists, um, it continues to roll along and it's always very comforting to watch the Star Trek that happens to be on on any given evening. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Even even working through some of the TNG stuff is, is pretty good because there's there's really good episodes in the current cycle. I think we're up to uh, season five or six when most of the episodes were good and there were mm-hmm. only a few that were really cringy that, you know, when it's talking about data's cat or whatever and we just yeah. like don't need that just don't need that mm-hmm. uh well what i was going to say was why don't we take a little breaky right now and then let's Sounds come back good. we'll talk about the trailers for the new stuff and then this very weird article that you sent me about um the roddenberry archive which i think i understand but not a hundred percent so let's talk about it good you can explain it to all of us okay good all right we'll be right back Space, a final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we would love to hear from you. Send us email at lookathisbutt at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and leave us a comment. Tell us your Trek news. Now we're going to talk about Star Trek, which is a thing that we never talk about. So we're going to talk about yeah. it now. So at the New York Comic Con, they had um, a Discovery trailer and a Picard trailer. So Discovery trailer first. It's just a series of cuts. There's nothing in it. I mean, it's very shiny and there's pew pew and explosions and people running and stuff. It gives you zero clue as to what's going to happen in mm-hmm. the season or who's going to be in it or anything like that. And I felt very disappointed by that. There isn't much to say about discovery except that there's a trailer and there's going to be a season five. I think that encapsulates it. I will say um, I saw online on YouTube, a couple of um, you know, YouTube looks at the algorithm and then they serve you up various videos based on what they think you want to see. And after I watched the discovery trailer that told me nothing, I got served a bunch of videos that were like, why Discovery is the worst Star Trek ever, how it broke Star Trek, you know, it, everything went to shit. And I was like, okay, maybe you don't like it, but it is in its fifth season. Yeah, <laughs> you somebody's know, like, watching. Somebody's watching it. It's not going anywhere. And it's, you know, people, and now there's all these other series that, that Discovery brought back. So maybe it wasn't the series that broke Star Trek. So maybe just shut the fuck up about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, the Picard stuff was more interesting, and they had the whole cast there, which I thought was kind of cool. Like, they managed to pry them all out of wherever they are and bring them into New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so it very much seems like another TNG movie. It felt very movie-like to me, you know? It did, and it looked it. Yeah. Um, everybody was there, which was cool to see. Uh, there's a villain who I did not recognize. There's a woman who yeah like who is she i don't know uh i did think i saw one of the 
Maybe it was one of the Romulan ships? I'm not really sure, but there was a familiar looking ship in there. And then at the end, of course, no spoilers, because who knows what's going to happen. We get to see two other uh, quote unquote villains. And one of them is Lore. And I figured they had to do that in order to get Brent Spiner to come back since Data's really, really dead now. So however they're going to tell that story. And then they brought back Moriarty from the holodeck, from the Sherlock Holmes episodes. And I don't like that. (laughs) Oh, okay. Um, I guess I have a different reaction because okay. that's one of the episodes I like, and I like <laughs> I like their solution in that episode. Yeah, but so I like the first one a lot, but then they brought him back for another episode after that, and oh, they did. I wasn't. They aware did. Of that. Yeah, there were two with Moriarty, and I was like, oh, like, uh, is this going to be precious? You know, I don't want it to mm-hmm. be all about how oh look we're bringing back a character from the series that you never thought we'd see i guess they're very lucky that the actor who played moriarty is still alive and acting so they could have him do that role again because otherwise they'd never be able to do that well i have a suggestion okay let's hear it i know this will never in a million years happen but that's what i wanted (laughs) once i realized it was moriarty Uh uh-huh it would have blown the circuits all around the world oh. of every fandom if instead of having that actor, uh-huh. if it had been Andrew Stevens who played Moriarty to the hilt in the Sherlock series. Oh, okay. He was incredible. Oh. You know, just oh, just hamming it up and you know, enjoying being evil and toying with people. And, but like I say, you know, it's a whole different series. It's, you know, BBC versus uh, Paramount, you know, uh-huh. so it's not going to happen. But man, I would have freaked. Oh, it would have been, been so good. great. So who knows how this is going to work? I mean, is it a hollow deck thing? Or mm-hmm. anyway, who knows? It doesn't matter. It's fine. Um, it was cool to see everybody be old. I like that. They didn't yeah. try to de-age anyone and make them be all young. Um, I loved seeing Jonathan Frakes, and he got, of course, the funniest line in the whole trailer. Of course. Which was very, very good. Um, I am wondering how much of the Picard series he's directed, because I'm, I hope that they let him do some of the directing. He would be good. Yeah, yeah. And to have... What Worf, who says specifically that he's now a pacifist, is a very interesting character development. So mm-hmm. we'll see how that turns out. I got a prediction. Oh, yeah? In the moment when it really counts, Worf says, I am a pacifist, but I'm not an idiot and beats the <laughs> shit out of someone. That's got to happen. I think you're probably right. That's in screen Screenwriting 101 or 102. Any predictions on who's going to die? Oh, does someone die? I don't know. I'm just speculating. Oh. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I hadn't even thought about that. Um, they tend to, to, in the movies anyway, and, and in the series, you know, to make a point, they're going to kill off somebody. Like one character, right? They'll kill off one character to bring home the fragility of life, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, they kill yeah, off like Data. Die. Yeah. <laughs> So do you have a prediction? I don't know. Um, I could see how it might be Worf just to to sort of amplify that point. Like, you know, now he's a pacifist and yeah, he beats somebody up, but he's the one who ends up dying for Mm -hmm. whatever the cause happens to be. Um, They could shut Picard off at the end of this. You know, he is a robot after all. So yeah, who knows? Maybe, Uh, maybe, um, he and uh, Peanut Hamper do a variety show. <laughs> Picard and Peanut. Wouldn't that be great? It would be awesome. And a variety show is, re- now that they've done comedy and animation, uh-huh. variety is about the only thing that's left. A variety show would be amazing. It would be so <laughs> good. It would be great. Um, oh, speaking of a variety show, I did want to say that the episode of Lower Decks where they went to Deep Space Nine, I very much yes. appreciated that. It was oh so good. God. Well, they brought back two actors. They even had conspiracy theorists. And they had conspiracy <laughs> theorists. They brought back the two actors who they could have brought back. I actually spent some time thinking about it, and I was like, you know what? Everybody else from Deep Space Nine either died 
<laughs> or went somewhere <laughs> okay. else. Yeah, most of those people just aren't there. Like, you know, Cisco went into the, the wormhole to be with the aliens, so he wasn't around. Uh-huh. Uh, other people died or did other things, so they had a limited choice. But it was very nice to be back there, and it was very emotional to see the Cerritos kind of cruising around and hear the Deep Space Nine theme music. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really good. And everybody was very much in character. And I liked the fact that um, Boimler was winning all that money at Dabo. That was also good. Yeah, that was a good one. And then they, they give us this peanut hamper episode, which is still kind <laughs> That's of right. I know. <laughs> let's, like, let's get as deeply into Star Trek lore as possible and go to Deep Space Nine and have all these characters come back and do conspiracies and all the rest of it. And then we're going to do something completely out of left field that is not consistent yep. with anything we've seen so far. It's very good. Yeah, I it's like true. It. It's very <laughs> true. And you know, that's, yeah. um, we've never had a robot captain or an Android <gasps> captain. That's true. I guess they would let a, an Android or a robot be captain. I mean, there was, the, you know, um, Data had to go on trial to to prove his worthiness mm-hmm. to be in Starfleet, and he did. But would they give him a captainship? I don't know. It seems like the times when he had to be a temporary captain, when something happened to Picard, there were still some people who had a problem with it, you know? Mm. Like, yeah. like, oh, no, take orders from an android, blah, blah, blah. But maybe they've gotten over it by now. I don't know. Maybe so. Obviously, you never know what's coming up next in Star Trek. This is true. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that became a plot point in Lower Decks at some point. If they encounter another ship and Peanut Hamper is the captain, <laughs> Captain, captain Hamper. Or, or Peanut Hamper's twin, who's actually the good one. So Peanut Hamper oh. is the evil one, and there'd be one just the same, but, you know, with good impulses instead of bad Yeah, ones. that would be great. <laughs> I'll have to tweet that to Mike McMahon to to say, hey, did you think about this? I'm sure they've thought about this already. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm excited about Picard coming back. It's got to be better than the end of last season, and it'd be fun to see, you know, the old gang back together doing whatever. The old it is gang, yes, indeed. That they're gonna do. Yeah, it'll be good. Um, so let's talk about this weirdo article that you found, which is published in a journal called IEEE Spectrum, which appears to be sort of a trade journal for um, business and electronics. So this article, I guess, is relevant. Uh, It's under consumer electronics, which is also a little bit weird. So I'm going to read some of it. Um, It's called Digital Resurrection Brings Star Trek Back to the Future. And then there are some pictures under it that are computer generated. And there's Yeoman Cult from um, the cage and there's computer generated Spock looking much like he did in the first movie. So here's what it says. The bridge of the original USS Enterprise could soon be a place you can visit complete with some of the original cast visual effects that include virtual performances by deceased actors or that drastically de-age those still alive are becoming commonplace, blah, blah, blah. Now the Roddenberry Archive is using similar effects to give audiences a like-new performance of Leonard Nimoy as Spock, if only inside the virtual world of a video game. So they have an actor named Lawrence Selleck. I have no idea idea who this guy is. Is he Tom Selleck's brother? Maybe. I don't know. Um, He performs as Spock, so I am assuming that means the voice. He's not going to be on screen. Um, And then reading a little further, here's the thing I didn't know about. So this thing called the Roddenberry Archive, it says, is a collaboration between the Gene Roddenberry Estate and a company that their name is O-T-O-Y. Is it O-Toy, I guess? I guess. Uh, A a cloud graphics company that builds specialized rendering software. So it was announced in 2021. The Roddenberry Archive is showing its first complete project, a recreation of the sets, props, and actors from the original pilot episode, The Cage. It debuted at Creation Entertainment Star Trek convention, which was um, in August of this past year. So the experience is not a restoration of the episode, but rather a recreation of the episode set and props inside an interactive 3D experience. What they had on display were a couple of stations with a flat screen TV and a game controller, and it allowed you to walk through and see everything. Um, 
So it was run locally on a PC, and Trek fans at the Las Vegas convention, game controller in hand, could explore the cage, including key sets like the bridge and engineering. Okay. So what this sounds like, and from what the picture is there, is basically like a video game. So you're sitting yeah. in front of a computer, you have a game controller, you can kind of move around. You're not walking through it. You're just moving around a digital recreation of the sets, <laughs> which is cool. You know, that's fine. And I guess if you want to do that, that's good. But they hadn't at that point populated it with any people. It was all just empty sets. Mm. And I actually went to YouTube and I watched a few more of the videos for the Roddenberry archive. And it looks cool. And they're planning, if they haven't done it already, on recreating virtually the whole enterprise. So at some point you'll be able to do this and go and look at any deck and any room and any section mm-hmm. and just navigate through it, which again, sure, that's cool. I wouldn't do it much. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I, like I might do it once just to kind of look around. Also, I have a problem where I get motion sick when I'm watching these sorts of things. So it's not the most oh, pleasant okay. experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, so eventually what it says is that they're, they want to do it in a holographic display. Now, the interesting part about it is the company, Otoy, is working with a different company called Lightfield Labs, and they do holographic displays to achieve immersion without a headset or glasses. And I know this because I worked for them. Oh, wow. Yeah, I went to their offices in San Jose, and they showed me and my, my colleagues what it looked like, and it's pretty cool. So there's no glasses. There's no anything. You're in a room, and you see uh, a display in front of you that's like... I don't even know. I don't want to describe it too closely because I'm probably going to be giving away secrets and they'll come and sue me. But it's it's basically you can see 3D things and look around it in real in the real world. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's a thing in front of you and you can walk around it, you know, like a yes. museum display and it's 3D and stuff moves and you can interact. It's it's quite cool, I have to say. Really really good. So that's what they're doing. So, they're going to do this and do life-size holographic reproductions where you can walk through it, like literally walk through it and see this stuff and interact with it. So it's like a holodeck. It's basically a holodeck. Yes. So that's real cool. I have serious questions about how they're actually going to make this thing work. Like when I was at Lightfield, this was like six or seven years ago. And the thing that we saw was very small. It was a room and the display was probably a box that was about five by five and the holographic display was in the middle of it and it was real cool and all, but you couldn't walk through it like to build something life size. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I don't know about that. So I, I am just very curious, a, where are they getting the funding? Who's putting up the money for this? Mm-hmm. Where is it going to be? And how are people going to access it? And what can you do? You know, the amount of computing power that it would take to do the holographic representation life-size with you able to walk through it and then interact with characters that just seems like you're going to need all of nasa's computers to do that and have it be realistic in any meaningful way as opposed to you know going to ticonderoga and walking around the sets right yeah which Um, i kind of would rather do (laughs) it's more appealing to me i don't know um in the the original article that totally confused me, I do remember at the end, this is not going to be for public consumption. Okay. It's for archiving. Okay. So it'll be like maybe something in a museum, but it's not like it's going to be um, a game that the ultra, ultra rich can purchase yeah. and have in their home or... Any of those things. And the thing is, it's also running up against, you know, practical matters like uh, the actors. Yeah. And the writers who originally created this stuff and their contracts did not specifically cover any of this. And I noticed that the article never mentions Bill. I noticed that too. Yes. uh, Not to mention Bill means they haven't signed him. Yeah, definitely. Um, so there's a little video that you can watch, and it's called Memory Wall. And I don't 
understand what it's supposed to be. So it's it features Yeoman Colt, who was a minor character in the cage. She right. was, the women, she was one of those. Yes. <laughs> and um, she's been digitally recreated, but they also have an actress who looks quite a lot like her, who is the physical stand-in, I guess, when they're doing mm-hmm. motion capture or something. And mm-hmm. I don't really get what it's supposed to show. It's sort of a view. It looks like the Enterprise is over Vulcan, and then there's a place on Vulcan, and Spock is doing a mind meld, like the remember thing with her, and then mm-hmm. she touches a wall, and then you get to see this, you know, kind of Spock memory, and then at the end you see digitally recreated Leonard Nimoy. And I don't know if the voice that you hear saying remember is his voice taken from the movie or whether it's this guy Lawrence Selleck doing the voice for it and it's not I gotta think it's a lot cheaper to get Lawrence Selleck you'd think so yeah so but I don't understand what it's supposed to be showing you I mean if it's supposed to be like look at our cool technology it doesn't look any better than any CGI thing that I've seen so far and if it's supposed to make you excited about I don't know what it's supposed to make you excited about is there going to be a well, you know, you were saying it's it's not going to be for public consumption. So what are they doing? Like, what is the end point for this? I don't understand it. Right. Why are people, whoever it is, putting money into it? And, yeah. and massive amounts of computer and human energy. Yeah. It's, it's so partly I think this is a badly written article because it doesn't answer any of those very apparent, obvious questions that come up as soon as you start reading the article. Mm-hmm. Um, You can go on YouTube and watch other videos by the Roddenberry Archive. And I get the the whole uh, preservation aspect is very important. Like, we can do it. Why not do it? Let's let's make this stuff be in one place as long as there are still people who are alive and we have all the blueprints and the the set notes and everything from Paramount. Like, let's sure. Let's make it into something that people have access to for the future. So when they're going to make more movies or do more TV series or whatever, there's going to be a thing that people can refer to. And that's great, but Mm -hmm. they're not, they're not selling it that way. Like you said, that was at the very end of the article. The whole rest of this thing really reads like it's going to be a video game or it's going to be a new Star Trek experience that you'll be able to walk through. It, it it Mm -hmm. is not, it does not read like this is going to be a museum installation that you'll never be able to actually have an encounter with. It's weird. It's just weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for that because I read it and, uh, you know, I should have left a trail of breadcrumbs on my way through because I was really lost. So I appreciate you making the effort. <laughs> well, I hope I'm right about this. If any of our listeners read that article or know more about it and want to correct me, please do so. Like maybe I am just interpreting this in a bad way, but uh, that seems to be what it's saying. But honestly, like I said, if I'm going to do something like this as an experience, I would just fucking rather go to Ticonderoga and walk around yeah. actual flesh and blood sets and sit in the captain's chair and have the sound effects playing in real life. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, for me, that's just so much better. Oh, yes. Absolutely. But maybe, maybe this is a thing that some people really want. I don't know. I, if you can't go to Ticonderoga for sure. Like, who knows if we'll ever get there. But maybe right. it's the next best thing well and as you said it's a very badly written article so (laughs) it could be that the person who wrote this article missed the point and so left out (laughs) what we want to know is why are you writing about this yeah you know what what is the practical application yeah exactly i am uh i am frustrated because i'd like to know more about it you know, uh, uh, the, the Okudas are involved in it. So that's good because I respect yes. them and they know all this stuff. So good. There are good people who are doing it. It's not just some um, scammy cash grab like those guys that Bill are involved with that I was ranting about last time who are crowdfunding his supposed biography movie. That's probably yes. never, ever going to happen. So, you know, that's that's all right. But uh, weird. It's just weird. So that's what's happening with that. Um, I have not seen um, a lot of other stuff in the news about our favorite actors. You know, um, George Takei has been doing an awful lot of political stuff lately, which I, I very much appreciate uh-huh. on behalf of um, 
all, all the minorities who are about to be heavily persecuted in our country and, you know, Republicans who want to round people up and put them into concentration camps. So, you know, good for him for speaking out. Um, Bill's been doing a lot of promotion for his book, obviously, and he has a new series of The Unexplained that I think is starting on the History Channel. I will not be watching that. Um, I have a question. Yes. When do Discovery and uh, Picard come back That's on? That's an excellent you know? question, and I think that Google could answer that question for me right now, so I'm going to type it in. Okay. Discovery season five release date there it is season five yeah i can't believe it uh the season is expected to premiere on paramount plus in early 2023 and run for 10 episodes so it's only 10 episodes Mm. okay i agree with you 10 episodes is kind of not enough yeah yeah Oh, okay. So Picard actually has a release date, and that's February 16th, 2023. Oh, my God. And that is also uh, 10 episodes. Huh. So we're just going to have to wait, going to have to make do with Lower Decks and whatever else is on. Um, Reruns. Reruns, yeah. You know, uh, oh, Avenue 5, talking about science fiction, that's coming back. So at least that'll keep us occupied with some comedy. I'm happy about that. Um, it came back last night a little too late for me, so that is what I'm going to be doing tonight. Okay. Is um, and they have released four episodes. Really? Oh, yeah. If you go to uh, whatever it's on, I think it's HBO. HBO. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, and look at the list of episodes. There are four that you can click play on, wow. and they are new episodes. And then there's a bunch after that. Okay. Wow, bold, releasing four episodes at once. Interesting. Okay. Oh, and that was just so funny. I just, you know, can't wait to see yep, more. that will be good. And uh, I know that there are probably some people who, like me, are watching the Rings of Power series. And uh, probably, mm-hmm. as I am, loving it and hating it alternately, depending on... <laughs> What's going on? That's the total fandom experience. It really is. You know, I have to say, I I was discussing this with someone last night, and and my main complaint is that um, I feel like nobody does elves really well. You know, uh, you read Tolkien, right? And the elves are like, they're like aliens in science fiction. They're just not like us. They're very, very, very different. Mm -hmm. And they should be sort of otherworldly and on a different level of existence and with a very different relationship with everything, you know, all of middle earth and and that. And also as Tolkien very explicitly says, they're all incredibly good looking. So we should all be very envious of them. And I feel like when Peter Jackson made those movies, he made a real choice not to do that, to make them more just like people and, Casting, mm-hmm. you know, um, Liv Tyler, very beautiful. Hugo Weaving, a weird-looking guy, not particularly mm-hmm. beautiful. And uh, you know, Orlando Bloom, he's a pretty yeah. good-looking guy. So it wasn't quite the level of elvish, otherworldly beauty that you would want. And then mm-hmm. in this show, they're just like people, <laughs> and it's really disappointing. I don't, they don't feel like elves. They don't feel like they've been alive for thousands and thousands of years, which is mm-hmm. what they have been. They just, they're just yeah. like people that have short tempers and like to argue with each other so well i was reading something that intrigued me in that um in writing and filming this they only have rights to certain Mm -hmm. parts of the mythology and so apparently there's is quite a bit that they're just making up. <laughs> yeah, this is true. To yes. Cover those things, mm-hmm. and it's probably causing Tolkien scholars' heads to explode. Oh, it is definitely doing that for me. I mean, I'm sitting there watching it, and every five minutes, I'm like, "That's not in the book." So I, I feel like I there. As with when we started watching Discovery and when we watched other things, you just got to let it go and not get all wrapped up in what's canon and what's not canon. You know, it is never going to be consistent. It is never going to be what you think it should be. So just got to let it go. It doesn't stop me from having that knee jerk reaction. But then I go, all right, just calm down. Stop getting so wound up. Good for you. And I feel like we're going to have to continue to do that with Discovery and Picard when it comes out, because I bet there will be a thousand things in the first episode where we're like, that's not right. That's not Star Trek. Well, I have been watching, 
whatever the Game of Thrones spinoff is called. Uh And um, it's making me very glad I never read the books. (laughs) Because um, Game of Thrones, I did watch all of that. And I had a really good time watching it. And there were characters I was like, you know, invested in or, you know, at least interested in. And this, maybe it's the nature of the book and how many episodes they were going to be allowed to do does so many time jumps and therefore replacing like actors who were 10 now with actors who are 18 and the next episode they're replaced with actors who are in their 30s and it's like who are you you know like I said I want them to wear badges you know name tags so that I can follow what's going on because I can't tell you, and I'm not really interested enough to go find out what's what's going on. I think that should be an option. I think, you know, the way you can turn the subtitles on and off, I want there to be floating names in front of characters mm-hmm. in TV shows, like it is when you're playing a video game and you can turn that option on or off. Yes. So every time the character is on the screen, their their name floats below them very, you know, unobtrusively, but still, mm-hmm. you know who they are. Um with Rings of Power, as an example, um, it's on Amazon Prime, which I get through my cable, and that's a new experience because I've never watched stuff like that. There's all these features oh. that I cannot manage. I, I'm too old. I can't figure out how to do it. But if you pause it when you're watching it, and I don't know if this is true for every series, but it pops up the names of the characters who are on the screen at any given moment and the actors who play them. And that's good yeah Yeah. i I know at least one of the uh uh services does that maybe maybe it is amazon yeah so i mean it's kind of good but i wish you didn't have to stop everything so you could see who they are because yeah it's with with tv series that have really big casts half the time yeah i'm like that i was like who is this person am i supposed to recognize them Mm -hmm. from something that happened three episodes ago it's like i don't have the attention span for that so well, I'm exhausted. How about oh, you? Totally. Yeah, that was a lot of Star Trek to get through. Um, so, yes. so everybody, uh, let us know what you thought about the trailers and, and all that stuff that's going on. And if you read Bill's book, let us know what you thought and what your favorite parts were. And um, we will be back with uh, probably by the next time we record an episode, we will have read the book and we'll be able to talk about it in some depth. I think we should we should aim for that. That'd be good. Yeah, let's make it a goal. A goal, an actual Put goal. it up on the board. Uh-huh. <laughs> that sounds good. So uh, thanks, everybody, for comments and hanging out with us on Facebook. We're always getting uh, likes and notes and everything there, which is very cool. And, uh, you know, just keep watching Star Trek. Star Trek's really good, and it gives us a lot of hope in these very dark times. Indeed it does. It does. So until the next time we come at you, as always, live long and potluck. Quick correction, it's Andrew Scott. He played Moriarty, not Andrew Stevens or whatever we said. You know, Andrew Scott, the hot priest in Fleabag. Put him in Picard. (laughs) 